Hello, it is Tuesday, July 14th, time for another edition of the Come On Now MMA podcast. My name is Trent Reinsmith, I am your host, and I'm working on uh, the new setup here, have a new microphone, so hopefully the levels will be better and uh, the, the vocal will be clearer. A new iMac. I'm still using GarageBand. Going to switch over to some different software um, in the near future, but not today so far. Not today. But it will be coming, so hopefully that'll also help things improve a little bit. The first topic today is going to be Dana White. He gave a media scrum in Abu Dhabi today and it was surprising that we learned that he, Michael Bisping and Matt Serra had left the safe zone on Fight Island and filmed uh, some video outside of the safe zone and this was on Monday they left the safe zone and Tuesday came back into the safe zone Without, I'm guessing, since White gave the media scrum without quarantine. And so, here's what White had to say, and I'll have um, some comments after this. We saw you got uh, you and Bisping and, and Sarah, you guys got to go outside the safe zone a little bit. How, how do you guys get approved to do that? How does that work that you guys can head out of the bubble and that sort of thing? Can, and can we get approved? Yeah. <laughs> You're stuck here, unfortunately. Um, we, we're filming. We were filming a show yesterday. So we went out and, uh, yeah, we did some fun things. How do we get to do it? It required, like, I mean, that was so part so of so much it. over-the-top stuff here. Just curious. Yeah, we, we, knew, we knew we were doing that when we came. You know, same protocol. Everybody that we were in contact with and everybody that had anything to do with us was tested multiple times. Um, I mean, realistically, Abu Dhabi is the safest place in the world, you know. Leaving the safe zone is because they don't want us to leave the safe zone. That's what that has to do with it. They, they, they don't want us uh, outside of the safe zone while this thing's going on. But, you know, we, we, we got some stuff worked out. And, you know, they, they made it sure that everybody that we were in contact with was tested multiple times. And I think we're aware of how many times I've been tested. This reeks of favoritism for white and his buddies there's no reason that they should have been left out of the safe zone if no one else can go out of the safe zone and then come back in why should white be able to to do that and the answer is he shouldn't so it 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 makes a bit of a mockery of the protocol of abu dhabi's protocol which just yesterday i was praising how good it is and now we have uh, Dana White and Matt Sarah and Michael Bisping just, you know, flipping Abu Dhabi the bird and saying, we're going out here to film some stuff and then we're just going to waltz back in into uh, the safe zone and, you know, deal with it. So White says here that the reason the safe zone exists is because Abu Dhabi doesn't want people to leave the safe zone. Right. That is exactly why the safe zone exists they don't want people to leave the safe zone because once you do that 
the best practices are you have to quarantine back in the safe zone for uh, 10 to 14 days and then you don't get out of that quarantine until you pass your COVID test and this actually happened in the NBA bubble um, just a couple days ago a player from the Sacramento Kings he left the bubble to go get some food and when he came back in quarantined for 10 days that's the proper protocol and white mentions here that the people that they were in contact with were tested but he doesn't say that he and sarah and bisping were tested and that's that's the concern it, i don't care who they who i don't care if the people that they were in contact outside of the safe zone were tested that's no concern because we know that when Bisping and Sarah and White, if they followed protocol to date, they were not positive. But they left. Now they come back in. They need to be quarantined and tested so they so everyone knows that they didn't become uh, ill or or come down with COVID nineteen while they were out. Um, and you're not going to catch that when you were out for a couple hours and then come right back in, you need to quarantine. And that's why the protocol in the NBA bubble is quarantine. And then you test. So I'm, I'm totally dumbfounded by this. There was a good, pro good process, good protocol. And, and White and crew, unless he's leaving something out of this, what he's, what he's told uh, the media here, just spat right on it. Just ignored it. I don't get it. I really don't get it. But I'd like to say I'm surprised, but I'm not. So if someone does get sick here, I mean, the first three people you're going to look at are the three people that left the, the safe zone, right? The whole thing is pretty stunning to me. Um, and I didn't think that Abu Dhabi would allow this to happen. But it did um, hopefully this is a one-time thing and hopefully the Abu Dhabi folks do not relax the protocol and the ability to move in and out of the bubble there without quarantine in the future so if if this was the thing that made me so angry about what went down in Jacksonville and, and at the Apex that the quarantine was non-existent and more or less non-existent and people were leaving any kind of safe zone, going out to eat, uh, training, running, doing sight, sightseeing outside of the safe zone and then coming back in without a test or without quarantine. That's why I thought most of the avoidance of COVID-19 in those situations was luck. And with the uptick on, on fighters and camps now, this this just strikes me as as just rolling the dice even more and 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 testing things and I just have no faith in Dana White. It's like he 
just does not think that this is real and that it can't touch him and it and it can't touch his friends. But we shall see. But yeah, and if he's looking for houses, is he going to keep leaving the the safe zone and and not quarantining? Because if that's the case, I hope that the general public in Abu Dhabi that the COVID-19 viruses almost erased because if he brings that in and gets people sick, whew, boy. If you watched the UFC 251, you saw Peter Jan win the UFC Bantamweight title with a beatdown of Jose Aldo. And then you saw Dana White get asked if Aljamain Sterling was going to be Jan's first title defense and White avoided that question but then you saw Jan say that he thought Sterling was the the, the right choice to be the, his first title defense and and as so White was again asked about Aljamain Sterling and here's what he had to say um, Marlon Moraes said that he has accepted a fight with Cody Garbrandt in October. Does that leave the path open for Aljamain Sterling to get a title shot at PGR? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We, have, we haven't pulled that trigger yet. But would there be anyone else in that division of, of, apart from Sterling that makes a logical choice right now? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I, I'm not even thinking about that. If you guys ask me about any other fighters or any other fights, I'm, just, I'm not even there. Well, let's be real about this because White should be there because he was asked about this on Saturday night. Jan said he wanted Sterling. Sterling tweeted at Dana White saying more or less cut the crap and give him the fight. So there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to answer this question. If Marais is fighting Covington, not Covington, I'm sorry, Garbrandt, in October, well, then Sterling should be your guy. And that should be easy to say. If there's other plans, like, God forbid, Henry Cejudo, then let Sterling know that and let the media know that. It's not fair to let this guy just hang just dangle out in the breeze for so long um, if you're going to give him the title fight give him the title fight if you're not let him know and give him a reason and I had forgot about this um, but someone brought it up on Twitter that Sterling was had been pretty vocal about fighter pay in the past so this could be the uh, the freeze out that comes with questioning the UFC's benevolence um, could that be could could that be the reason that this is dragging on yeah absolutely that could be the reason that this is dragging on um, you saw what's happened with those who have spoken up about fighter pay lately uh, Curtis Blades got you know shit on uh, Paige Van Zant got a fight that she was designed to lose to send her into free agency to reduce her worth. And 
these things have happened throughout the history of the UFC, and they were they have been brought up in the antitrust suit. So it's really going to be interesting to see this play out, and hopefully the media just keeps asking White because there's no reason Sterling should not be the next title shot at Bantamweight. A couple more things about this media scrum. The first is that White uh, did say he is concerned about what's going on in the States as far as what's going to be open and what's going to be shut down. And he's right to be concerned because I, I'm of the belief that sooner or later Nevada is going to have to stop holding fight cards. And then the UFC Apex is going to, of course, shut down. And White said the backup plan probably would be Abu Dhabi. And and if the protocol it remains what it is and there's no knuckleheads walking off into uh, out of the safe zone and coming back without quarantine, I would support that because the protocol looks good. The problem I would have is what about the guys that expected to fight in Vegas and then get moved. Uh, specifically, I'm thinking about the the Cormier and Miocic fight. If that gets moved and these guys, it affects their training somewhat because of the quarantine and all that, will the UFC do something for those fighters who are preparing for a fight in America, but then you had to move to Abu Dhabi because of COVID-19. I don't know. I would hope that the UFC would do something uh, financially for these guys and gals, uh, but I would probably think it's going to be, well, if you want to fight, here's where the offer is and here's where the fights are. Another thing that is, is eating away at me is the media's lack of digging into these things that White is saying, the, the lack of pushback on uh, him going out outside the safe zone bothers me. The fact that no one asked, again, no one asked what Abu Dhabi is investing and paying for this event bothers me because the myth is still out there that the cost for Fight Island was astronomical to the UFC, and we know that that's not true. So at least get it on the record with White. It's already on the record from other sources that Abu Dhabi is paying for this, but get it on the record from the UFC president that the cost to the UFC is non-existent or minimal. Please, just ask him that. Another thing that White should be asked is the ridiculous Ali Abdelaziz ban on ESPN. I would I would like to hear White's reaction to that. How, how does he feel about a manager one limiting access to his fighters to the biggest partner the uh, UFC has ever had and the, the biggest exposure the UFC has ever had uh, 
And two, what are his feelings on Abdelaziz doing this? Because it makes no sense. What are what are White's feelings of a manager actively working against his client's uh, best best interests? And maybe White appreciates that because he acts against his fighter's best interests on the regular. I'm gonna beat this drum and until it breaks. So Ariel Hawani tweeted out today. Um, and he said one thing that Volkanovsky talked about blew me away because he traveled abroad he now has to stay with his coach Joe Lopez in a hotel room in Sydney for 14 days he doesn't have the key so he can't leave his family can't come visit him from afar either this sounds strange to us in America and it shouldn't I said this when Dan Hooker returned to New Zealand, and I'll say it again with Alexander Volkanovsky returning to Australia. This should be the rule and not the exception. Every fighter who participates in one of these events and travels should quarantine for 10 to 14 days after they return home from Fight Island or from the UFC Apex and then at the end of that quarantine, get another COVID-19 test before they can move freely. This is, then that's not just the fighters. That's everyone who works one of these events. That is the safest way. That is the way to stop the spread of COVID-19. Is it extreme? Maybe. But is it, is it for the greater good? Definitely. And it's a sacrifice that we should be willing to make because New Zealand's cases are at around zero and America's cases continue to rise. Why? Because we still are not taking this seriously. And if we never do, the cases are just going to keep rising. Maybe maybe the deaths don't keep rising because younger and healthier people are going to get COVID-19 and be able to fight it off. But they're also going to spend time in the hospitals. And that's going to take up beds for people who might need them and might not be able to fight off the, uh, the COVID-19 infection as readily as a younger person. So... We still don't know, but we do know that the cases keep going up. And we do know that we could take simple steps like quarantining and testing to avoid making, yeah, making those numbers go up. Because we're, we're, America isn't actively doing anything really, just kind of hoping. And Hope really doesn't have uh, any play when it comes to a, a virus. So while these, like I said, while these things that other countries are doing seem extreme, the reality is that they're the right thing to do and they just seem extreme to us because we're stupid and refuse to follow through because of 
some fantasy idea that your your rights are being taken away because you know if you want to go out and get sick and spread illness well then you should be able to do that that's not true that's not how things work so quarantine is the right thing to do I don't think we're going to do it in America because some people just refuse to uh, acknowledge that it's the right thing to do Maybe I'm misunderstanding something here uh, from Jorge Masvidal, but he spoke to ESPN and he said that he would rather have a fight, a rematch with Kamara Usman than a fight with Conor McGregor and that it wasn't about the money and that he could Make you know he knows he can make more money fighting McGregor than rematching Usman. That part's true, but if it wasn't about the money, then why was it about the money when he was offered the Usman fight the first time? So it's not worth that. That confuses me a little bit. So I, it is about the money. It's always about the money. If it wasn't about the money. Gilbert Burns wouldn't have been offered this fight after after uh, Masvidal turned it down in the first place. The only reason Masvidal took it the second time it got offered on six days notice was because he got a better deal and got more money from what we understand. So yes, it is about the money. And Masvidal got the money to... To accept a fight with Usman. And now he's going to make more money for his next fight. Regardless. So. It's a little weird. And it comes across as a little hypocritical. But. I, I kind of get. What he's saying. But I also kind of. Don't get it because it. Like I said it clearly was. About the money. The last thing I have for today is uh, a wish, I guess. A wish for Mike Perry. And it's tax day tomorrow. Well, when you when you listen to this, it'll probably be tax day today. July 15th is tax day. And I hope Mr. Perry took care of anything he needed to take care of. And that he's got that worked out, or at least the payment plan worked out. And that things... Uh, turn out okay on the tax front for Perry because as far as problems go he's got enough self-created issues that he doesn't need to uh, tad another one that could uh, land him in jail for not paying some taxes prison rather so here's hoping Mike Perry got that taxing all worked out because he's got other things to worry about. And that's all I have. Some fights tomorrow night. And until the, the next podcast, stay safe. <laughs>